Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's top 10 of emotional abuse podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and in here, we explore areas others fear to tread. I'm the founder of The Divorce Sanctuary and creator of Wound Talking and The Original Wound. I'm also author of Finding Lily, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse and Divorce Matters. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years, working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma, and working with this life wounding. And it's through my own personal journey I know how much this hurts and how confusing life becomes. So many questions, no real answers. And I'm on a mission to help and educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives, and helping them heal the wounds of our mothers and our fathers. It stops here, it stops now, and it stops with us. So welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. And you are very, very welcome. This week, I want to talk about being safe. I put a post out in my group and I said, what do you need at this list? What would be your top three? So the list comprised of empowered, like a sense of control over my life, being validated, connected, understood, resilience, hopeful, confident, loved, free. But the one that at the moment is feeling safe, a sense of safety and security in my environment and in my relationships. And that's what I want to talk about today. So we all have wounds coming out of these emotionally abusive relationships and they keep us stuck. So part of the processing of this is an inner standing. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is writing out the story. It's really important. So you start to understand what happened. And once you start to understand what happened, you can start to process what happened. Once you start to process what happened, you can start to call it out as abusive. And when you start to get to that point of using that word abusive, then you starting to move really quickly through the the recovery stages we've been trained to protect the abuser in my book the age set of emotional abuse i have a chapter called we're all a bunch of chemicals and that talks about the emotional reactions or the hormone reactions or the chemical reactions and i, I describe it as being a teenager at school it's that grunting and not being able to communicate and that sort of is what's going on in the body when you come out of these relationships there's so much to process but you can't process because your mind doesn't work and again there are so many different reasons for that one of those is the trauma that the hippocampus is experienced and it starts to shut down to protect itself and a lot of the work that I do with wounds when we go back and we pick up parts of ourselves, and this is my belief that during those times of trauma we shut down or we step out at that age so it could be at a young age it could be a teenager so you might have a few young adults wandering around and that is a self-preservation you you know how to preserve yourself and that is a lot of the work that I do so today I'm going to share with you some techniques to feel safe and when you're feeling safe and your body is in a position that it's able to start recharging, it's able to start calming down. So I've taken a course that I run, which is the Passionate Pursuit of Transformation. 
and I am going to run through some of that in this podcast. One of my explanations is if anybody is in contact with horses or knows anyone that's got horses, this might resonate with you. Years ago, when I was uh, when I was teaching Reiki, I was also working with animals. And and I was working with some horses. Two were in the same stable and they responded to the energy in, in really different ways. One was extremely flighty. The other one really enjoyed it. And they were next to each other in the yard when I was sending the energy. One had a twisted stomach and um, so we had to be really careful. But the, it wasn't so much the session. It was what happened afterwards. I went back. I, I worked with them a few times. I went back and the owner of one of the horses said to me, I just couldn't believe it. She said, I turned up the next day and she said, these two jump at a leaf moving. And she said, I, as I was driving down towards the field, I couldn't see them anywhere. And she said, I realised that they were both so relaxed and they were um, laying down and asleep in the field. And she said, they never do that. So this is what, and this is the power of nurturing and looking after yourself. It might be that you need to do a bit more work than just creating a safe space, but a safe space is going to, is so powerful. And it creates an environment, like when I was traveling, an environment where you're not looking over your shoulder. And we're going to start this podcast. If you're not driving or working with heavy machinery, I just want you to, to feel into your body and and when I'm working with people, I never get them to re-experience. The trauma isn't part of how I work, but you might be able to just feel your body. Our bodies are amazing and they are able to communicate with us and they have so much information. So if you are able to, and you can practice this, it might not happen overnight. You might find that, you know, in a few weeks time, if you go, actually, I can feel this now. You might find that you're holding yourself. It might be that you can't breathe fully. It might be that you can feel the nerves in your back or the muscles in your back tense. That's what I'm experiencing at the moment. Um, it might be that you feel it in your arms. So by listening in, tuning in, talking to your body, you've got there's so much information that you can get from it. And this trauma can bring up wounds of self-sabotage, rumination, second guessing can occur, emotional overwhelm that keeps us stuck. And I completely understand or I completely understand what was going on. I experienced my own version of what you're going through. The pain, the confusion, self-doubt, the rumination. I speak about this a lot. They kept me trapped for weeks on end. So... Today, I want to try and give you a few tools to create and lay some foundations. I'll probably build on it next week. So I said, understanding is perhaps one of the most important things to understand what happened. And writing out the story comes hand in hand with that. And I've spoken about that over the last few weeks. Creating this safety, this place of safety. When you start to understand what's been going on, you can work out what's going on in your body and why you feel like you do. You can understand and understand the rumination and see the patterns in relationships. And that, I remember sitting down quite really early on actually and writing out the pattern of my relationships 
romantic, but friendships as well. And I started to see this pattern that ran through, it's like a thread that ran through my relationships. And some of the work that I've done since then, so that was 2016 when I started to sit down. Now I'm working with wound, uh, with things like wound talking. I've created these therapies that we can go in and talk to the wound and discover because it doesn't come from the relationship itself. There is something else there as well. And that's why I started to talk about wound talking and design therapies, systems, things that you can put in place that will help you because that's what helped me. And it's all from how I managed to get myself out of it. Now, I was in a unique position that I have been talking to wounds for at that point, I think it was about 15 years because of what happened and what was going on around it and around me at the time, it was difficult for me to step in and say, okay, I'm going to take over and I'm going to heal these wounds and I know exactly what to do because I had no idea. And in fact, somebody said to me, I can't believe that you didn't see this as abusive. And that was when I started to realise that I'd been in this relationship before. I'd already seen this thread that ran through and then I started to look deeper and understand and then understand the pain understand where it came from it came from and that's why I talk about the original wound the original wound is where it starts it's work that I'd been doing prior to my life imploding but I still wasn't able to walk into my own to myself and say look I can I can help me I can sort this out because I literally couldn't so understanding what's happened is really crucial and those times because it does take a while for you to be able to turn around and say this was an abusive relationship then you realise that you're sort of cracking this in a standing that we have three core wounds. Those are the wound of abandonment, the wound of shame and the wound of betrayal. And when you can start to pick apart some of this, I was talking about the story and writing out that story. If you can sit and write what's happened in that relationship and then I'll put a link to it actually because if you haven't got the book that I have done a real brief but it's on Thrive Global I'll put a link in the comments below that was how the book sort of started I started doing this A to Z and and that was for YouTube and then I put it into um, a different form that went out as a PDF and so I put the link below and you can then take some of these terms like belittling or uh, blame shifting and you can look at your story and you can start to highlight because once you can see that it was abusive once you can see coercion I mean coercive control is abuse emotional abuse so it is going to be in there but sometimes we hold on, we protect the people that are abusing us because we've the story, we're holding on to them. And there will be an element of you getting something out of that relationship as well as them taking. As children, we des deserve to be seen and heard. And that is what they do do. Uh, they do in those idealization stages, they see you and they hear you. So it's that inner standing. If you can inner stand and see these wounds, is, that, is it a wound of abandonment? It might be all three. It might be betrayal and it might be shame. You might feel shame for what you did and your part and who got hurt. You might feel betrayed by them. You might feel abandoned by them. Inner standing what this does, the understanding this roller coaster of emotions, this extreme high, these dark lows, 
understanding your nervous system that's informing your brain uh, what's going on and it protects your body the trauma then takes its toll on the body in so many different ways and the damage occurs because we're forced to spend so much time in like a hyper arousal stuck in that fight flight form freeze and when we're chronically stressed we're stuck in the sympathetic nervous system activation and this is detrimental and it's really important that your body then gets messages to know that it's safe. And I use the example of, well, I use this actually to describe the difference between complex post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress. So post-traumatic stress is usually one large event that triggers the nervous system. It triggers the hormones into action. And they don't get the message then, it's all safe to calm down with complex post-traumatic. The abuse is taking place, The mess, this abuse is happening all the time. So we never get the chance to calm our nervous system down. We never get, it never gets told to stand down. And so one of the examples I use, maybe you can relate to this, is if you're travelling along a road and you could be a passenger you could be a driver it's entirely up to you and you're traveling along this road and to the side of you there's a junction coming up and all of a sudden somebody approaches that junction really fast and you see this car and perhaps your judgment says oh my gosh they're not going to stop so you might take action you start to slow down you stab at your brake pedal and as you're approaching this junction, you realise this car has stopped and there's a bit of a relief. You've, the danger's over. Your mind is able to replay what happened and it's able to send messages to your hormones and tell them that it's OK, danger's over, stand down. So like little soldiers, you can stand down, you can talk through what happened in your head I bet you I know that junction coming there there's a sharp bend I bet they've come around too fast and didn't realize that it was the junction was right on top of that bend it could be so you can justify it you can replay the whole thing and that helps your nervous system realize that the threat is over and it's okay and as a child or as an adult who's just experienced this or is continuously experiencing this abuse, you might not have that opportunity or you won't have that opportunity. How do you justify that abuse? You might not even see it as abuse. So going back to my horse story where these two horses or horses are flighty, you know, they they jump at a leaf, being able to find techniques and create a safe space is so very important so I've spoken a lot about grounding I've spoken a lot about breathing I will link in some videos they're so important because they help us stay in the body the mind was tricked the mind believes that everything it was told which was very possibly majority of that was a lie there might be a thread of truth in what we were told so the safest place for us is in our bodies. And you can do this with lots of different exercises, whether it's yoga or um, stamping your feet. But being in your body and body exercises, contrary to belief, if you've got a lot of adrenaline pumping around your body, the better, it isn't a good idea to go out running. But to do slow movement to release and discharge the... Um, the hormones that are pumping 
Breathing and grounding, they're usually my two go-to things. They're so easy. You can go to a toilet. You can do some of it stood in the supermarket queue, but um, you can go into a toilet. You can do that Amy Carby Superman pose and change the um, chemistry within your body. But being in your body is the safest place. It's keeping you, getting out of your head. The breathing is counting. It's taking the focus to a different part of your brain where you're counting. My experience with rumination was this was all my fault. I got it all wrong. He was right. Trauma impacts the whole person, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially. And I'm going to add financially in there because when you've got financial issues, it also puts an additional pressure on your body, your nervous system, your adrenals. It impacts everything. I will also also link in my podcast on adrenal fatigue. And systematically over a period of time, your mind was tricked. You experienced gaslighting. Your reality was distorted. Your brain was trained to find evidence that they loved and cared for you when you were actually experiencing the exact opposite. Their words didn't match their actions. You would go in search of the evidence. Your experience was wrong. And over a period of time, they told you and they told everybody else that who could listen what an amazing life you had, how good you were together. You were soulmates. You were meant to be together. But you're experiencing something completely different. You experience cognitive dissonance where you're holding two thought patterns that contradict each other. This person, the abuser, is telling me that they love me. They tell me this a hundred times a day but it doesn't feel like love. And then you go in search of proof that you're wrong and they were right. And this is why writing out the story is so important. You've got instant proof. So you can whiz back and you can look at it and go, yeah, no, I was right. And you can contradict and keep yourself focused because your mind was tricked into believing that the abuse was love. It took me a while to work this one out. What I ended up doing was writing out every time what happened for a period of time, I'd be okay. And all of a sudden I'd be overwhelmed with these emotions and I got it all wrong. And of course it was my fault. And, and I came up with all these reasons and then I'd sit down and say, well, look at all the other relationships. Look at this, look at that, look at all their family dynamics leading up to the point where I walked into his life or he walked into my life. You know, this was happening. This happened before me. This happened in other relationships. It isn't me, just me that's experienced this with him. So if I'd had my story written out, I could have quickly gone and looked for the evidence. That's why the other part and other element of that is writing your story out and then getting a list of the... The A to Z is a dictionary of narcissistic abuse. That's what it is. Um, so you can go through and look up and say, what is that? Oh, gosh, yeah, that comes under. Or the other way around, you can say, OK, so I've got abusive cycles. Look, I can see the cycles here. I've got belittling, B for belittling. Yeah, I can see the belittling. It happened here and he used to belittle me here or she used to do this here. T for triangulation. Yeah, look, he, he used to do this. She used to do that. There was always this thing with the X, they always brought the X in. And triangulation, when they, they bring this third party in to create jealousy, to make them seem more popular, that's quite common. 
I think that's their second favourite tool after gaslighting. Gaslighting. So you can see the elements as you're going through. And they told me this was going on. And actually it was a lie. Or they told me to turn my gut off. That was another one. You know your intuition's always wrong. And it's actually it wasn't always wrong. It was always right. You didn't want it to be wrong. You wanted it to be wrong. So when you can start, when you've written your story out and then you've highlighted all the abuse, it is going still going to take a while to work through and deprogram, untangle, unpick, pull apart the statements that you have been systematically, like the Chinese water torture, you've been told, you've been fed this information. Creating a safe space is so important and this is the bit that I'm going to finish on today. I'm fairly sure I've spoken about this before. Maybe I just talk about it in my group. I'm not 100% sure. Find a space in your environment. Now, if you still live in an abusive relationship, if you still are living with your partner, ex-partner, you can do this in a bathroom or a toilet. The bathroom is a safe place. You can lock a door on a bathroom and relatively not be questioned as to why you're doing it. You can go in there. You can use the shower. There's so many elements in the bathroom. So so you can lock the door. You're in a safe environment. You can ground. You can breathe. You can calm your body down for those few moments. You can light a candle. You can stare at that candle and watch the flame. I think it's called flame meditation. And it's like a little trance. Um, and allow and feel your whole system calm down. We need those breaks because you're constantly pumping out hormones from your adrenals and they then start to come ill. You become ill. They are overworking. They need a break. Another thing you can do in the bathroom is you can get some Himalayan bath salts and have a bath even if it's just once a week or twice a week. I can't tell you what that does. In fact, I even used that when I couldn't get myself out of rumination and it literally calmed me down. It was really amazing. We lose so many nutrients and I'm uh, and it's got it's high in magnesium, which is something that you might be very low in. If you don't have a bath, stand under a shower and use shower as a visualization as the water is flowing over the top of you it's breaking the energetic connections to other people and it's allowing your system to calm down see the water flowing over you washing away the trauma as the water washes over you use it as a way of calming down your body system you can use the soap or the shower gel or whatever it is you use to again break those connections to calm down your nervous system and afterwards if you've got some sort of maybe shea butter or or something that you can put on your skin to uh, nurture and moisturize it you can massage parts of your shoulders and your body to calm you down that's a simple way to use the bathroom. The bathroom can be your safe haven. It can be your sanctuary. Other places, you might have a dressing table where you apply makeup or you put your jewellery or, you know, you can use that. Each time you're going to an area that is safe, 
your body starts to realize it's in a safe place. You're giving it a message. You're secretly saying, it's okay. I'm, in, I'm okay in here. As long as you are safe. Other things that I think are great ideas are corners of rooms where you can put pillows, even teepees, children's teepees. I've got one of those. Well, actually, I've given it to someone now, but you can sit inside like a pyramid. It's a safe structure. Throw some pillows in there. Maybe sit in there with a book or just sit in there. A corner where you've got your back to the wall because you can see what's coming. You can sit and meditate. You can just sit. You could sit and read. You could sit and listen to headphones as long as you're in a safe environment to do that so you can hear what's coming. Start thinking about about ways that you could introduce that are safe because what you're actually doing is you're sending a message to yourself it could be that your safe place is in bed it could be that you journal in the morning when you wake up you might make a cup of tea or go and get coffee set your alarm for 10 or 15 minutes and you can journal and allow the emotions or whatever it is that has been going on during the night you can let that out So it's creating this environment so you feel safe because these are silent messages to your body that these little soldiers that are protecting you, that are on alert, they are, they can stand down for a moment. They can stand down and go and have a cup of tea or they can go and take a break for half an hour. We need to be protecting ourselves This could be in the garden as well. You could find somewhere outside. And you might think, gosh, I can't do that. I can't spend a period of time. I can't You don't, meditation isn't sitting on the top of a mountain, omming for an hour or a day or a week. It could be two or three minutes. As I said, you can do some of this stuff in the supermarket. You stood at the checkout. You can ground yourself at the checkout. You can count in your head and breathe. These are silent messages. Our body is receiving a message when you walk to the corner of a room. It's it, You've got a big pillow and you go and sit down. You're giving your body a message that it's okay and it's safe. And it starts then looking for those moments throughout the day. If you don't think you can meditate, see if you can turn your brain off for 30 or 60 seconds. And then you can add to that maybe 30 seconds a day. See if you can not think. It's really hard to not think when you're thinking about it. Find a guided meditation. Those are really good because somebody's talking to you and you're listening to that voice. You're turning your chatter off. So I hope this week's been helpful. I will elaborate a bit more. I'll add a bit more in next week on being safe, safe within relationships, maybe some ideas on making sure you're in a safe relationship. But all the resources that I've talked about in the description box, and I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.